What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoop Heads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, At the Buzzer, and Cavaliers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. The Wizards just lost a close game to the Hawks, but I mean, like all things considered, um, you're missing Bradley Beal. Um, Like that really wasn't that bad of a performance. Like to lose to a pretty good Hawks team by one point um, at the end of the day, like, you know, you kind of walk away, you live with that. Um, But the Wizards lost to the Hawks um, 125 to 124. Um, the Hawks' record moves up to 38 and 31, and the Wizards' record moves down to 32 and 37. Um, going over the four factors um, overview stuff for this game, um, Wizards' offensive rating for this game was 117, um, which is in the 63rd percentile. Hawks' offensive rating was 117.9, which is in the 67th percentile. Both teams had 106 possessions for this game, which is a lot. That's uh, a little bit above league average. Um, Wizards' effective field goal percentage um, was 57.5, which is in the 70th percentile, and the Hawks was 53.7, which is in the 48th percentile. That's a pretty like big difference, considering that the Hawks won this game and had a better offensive rating in the game. Um, and the reason for that was offensive rebound rate and free throw rate. Um, the Wizards' offensive rebound rate was 15.7. The Hawks was 28. Um, I assume that's mostly because of Clint Capella. Uh, I want to check that super quick. Um, Clint Capella had seven offensive rebounds in this game. John Collins had three, um, and then three other guys had one. Um, so yeah, um, and then um, free throw rate. The Wizards' free throw was nine percent, which is in the sixth percentile, and the Hawks was twenty four point two percent, good for the seventy seventh percentile. Um, oh, also the turnover rate. The Wizards didn't turn the ball over very much. Um, Eight point five percent turnover rate, and the Hawks was at eleven point three. Um, so neither team really turned the ball over. All right, to go over some of the um, basic box numbers, um, start with the Wizards. Um, Russell Westbrook had 28 points, 21 assists, and 13 rebounds. Um, Yes, we are going to have the dreaded triple-double discussion on today's podcast, finally. Um, The long-dreaded 
thing that I've been talking, thinking about for a while. Um, so Russell Westbrook was 10 for 22 from the field, 5-5 five, five at the line. So those 28 points coming on, um, 24 and a half shooting possessions. Um, Rui Hachimura had 20 points, 9 and 19 from the field, um, 1-1 at the free throw line. So 20 points coming on 19 and a half shooting possessions. Um, Howanetto had 12 points, like, Bertans off the bench had that one crazy stretch where he made like three threes on three straight possessions. Um, he had 15 points, five at nine from three, five at 10 overall. Um, Robin Lopez came in. He had 18 points, nine, 15 from the field. Um, <laughs> you know, typical, you know, <laughs> Robin Lopez um, stuff. Um, Ishmith had 16 points. Um, you know, he actually looked pretty good today. He had that like one crazy block on Trey Young where he got up like higher than I've ever seen Ishmith jump in my life. <laughs> um, going to the Hawks, Trey Young absolutely destroyed the Wizards. I'll talk about that, um, how he did that later. Um, he was plus 18 in 37 minutes. He had 36 points, 11-22 from the field, 13 of 13 at the line. He was only one of seven from three. Um, for a player who, like, I think that it's a little overblown how much of, like, how much Trey Young shoots because, like, he doesn't really shoot as much as people might think he does. Um, but he was only one for seven and three. Um, to still put out a really, really efficient scoring night while going one for seven for three um, for, you know, a small guard, um, that's really, really, really impressive. Um, he also contributed with nine assists. Um, Clint Capella had 10 points, 22 rebounds, and seven offensive rebounds. Um, I think Clint Capella is probably the best rebounder in the NBA. Um, I might have to think about that a little harder, but he's definitely like one of the... Pro- He's up there. Um, but yeah, seven offensive rebounds in an NBA game. That's pretty crazy. 10 points. Um, John Collins had 28 points in this game. Um, 10 of 14 from the field, 7 to 7 at the line. Um, and then looking at the bench, um, no one really stands out besides Solomon Hill being minus 23 in 10 minutes. Lou Williams, minus 17 in 11 minutes. Um, and DeAndre Hunter played. Um, he hasn't really, like, he hasn't really, really played much in a really long time. So I'm really, really happy to see him back. Um, because he was so awesome at the beginning of the year. Um, so that's great to see. Um, so I guess the first thing I want to go over super quick before I do the triple-double discussion um, is the end, like the last minute of the fourth quarter because it was a close game. You know, always have to do that. Um, so yeah, so the first play I want to talk about is with... I'll say with one minute to go. Um, so the Hawks... As they did a million times, they ran that same play where it was just a screen, um, you know, simple screen set by um, Bogdanovich because for some reason um, Breton's primary matchup was on Bogdanovich down the stretch. Um, so Bogdanovich set the screen for Breton's. Breton switched on to on Trey Young. Got like they gave up an easy switch. Um, Trey Young just took um, Breton's off the bounce to the rim, tried to shoot a right hand layup on the left side, and he just like missed it. Like he was just like wide open. He straight up missed it. Russell Westbrook blew the help responsibility because he was a deep weak side. He like that was his responsibility to step up. He didn't. Um, and then like Trey Young blew by um blew by Breton's pretty easily, like as he was doing all night. So he missed a layup. Um rebound grab by Russell Westbrook. Um he pushes up um as he does when he grabs a rebound. Um he threw a pretty nice pass to Ru Hachimura, who got a left-handed dunk. Um and that cut the lead from um, 123 to 120 to 123 to 122 with about 50 seconds left. Um, the next play, um, the Hawks ran a double drag. Um, but it was like, so Trey Young used his change of like his pace really, really well when he did this. Um, so the first screen was set by Breton's man, which was Bogdanovich. Um, so I used that screen, um, made sure he got the switch before he used the second screen of the double drag, um, which was really, really, really smart because then instead of having, 
um, you know, potentially a switch or like someone like Blitzing or like whatever. Um, he had Bertans guarding him and then chasing over. Um, so then he got downhill against Bertans chasing over. Like Bertans is not very good at getting around screens. Like that's more understandable because he's like six nine, six ten. He's a forward. Like that's not really what six nine, six ten people do. Um, so he Traylon got downhill. Um, he kicked it off to um or gave it a little pass to um John Collins. Um, and then John Collins got fouled by Westbrook, who was late again on the rotation. Um, so John Collins made both free throws and that put the Hawks up 125 to 122 with about 40 seconds left. The Wizards called a timeout. Um, and then they just basically ran an ISO, um, for Russell Westbrook against, um, Kevin Herter. Like I'm like, I don't really like running ISOs late in the game. I would have rather like seen something, but like Kevin Herter really, really shouldn't be able to guard Westbrook in a one-on-one. Um, Westbrook just kind of used his strength to get into the paint, um, get two feet in the paint and then shoot a floater. Like the floater looked pretty ugly. Like it was like a, like really flat shot, but it like hit the front of the rim and bounced in. Like it wasn't the prettiest shots of shots, but it went in. So that, um, cut the lead, um, to one point. So it was 125 to 124 with 30 seconds left. The Hawks caught a timeout for some reason because like Bretons was in the, so six seconds difference. So you want to run it all the way, all the way down. I imagine like they really should just not call a timeout and then just ran the same play. They ran a thousand times right at Dobbs Bretons, um, to get the switch. Um, and for some reason they didn't do that. Um, yeah, so Breton subbed out and Chandler Hutchison subbed in for some reason. Like, he always makes mistakes whenever he gets subbed in as a defensive substitute, um, a la doing his best Mason Plumley impression. Um, but anyways, um, so what the Hawks did was they ran a pick and roll instead of um, trying to get the switch with um, Bretons, They tried to get the switch with Rui Hachimura. Like, I personally would have gone after Chandler Hutchison. Um, but they ran it, ran it at Rui Hachimura. Um, they so when you switch, you know, obviously the guard also switches onto a big. So um John Collins got a switch onto um Howell Neto. Um so he was trying to post him up. And then when he tried to turn and shoot, um Neto uh the stats counted as a block. That was like that was a strip, that was a steal. Um so Neto like stole the ball. Um Gafford gets it, he um gives it up to Westbrook. So he gives it to Westbrook. There's four seconds left. The Wizards have a timeout and there's four seconds. Westbrook's filling up, there's nothing there, there's no lane for him to track. It's a one-point game. If I'm Scott Brooks, I'm 100% calling a timeout in that situation. There's nowhere for Russell Westbrook to go. He had two guys on him with two seconds left. It it didn't make sense. Like So it's a one-point game. So at that point, it doesn't matter if you shoot a three or a two. You just have to shoot a shot, like shoot the highest percentage shot that you can get because whatever the odds of you making that shot are, that's like the odds of you winning the game. Um, so Russell Westbrook shooting a pull-up 25-foot three. Um, on the season, Russell Westbrook, I believe, it's I think it's 25.8% on the season. Um, from three on pull-ups. Here, let me pull up the exact number uh, super quick. I was looking at it. It's here. It's here. It's loading. It's loading. Um, so he's 28 of 108 pulling up from three this season, which is 25.9%. So if Russell Westbrook shoots that shot, you effectively have a 25.9-ish percent to chance to win the game. Um, is that what you want? Like, if you're the coach of the team, do you think that you can draw up a better play if you call a timeout with three seconds left? You have the ball, you advance it to the front court. Um, you can either shoot a two or three. You have a lot of options. You like, do you think that you can run a better play? If the answer is no, then like, honestly, like, what are we doing here? Like, why are you a coach if you can't get a better than twenty five percent look in that situation? Like, I don't know. That I thought that was a little frustrating. Um, but uh, like, Russell Westbrook messed up like three times at the end of the game. But like. He had a really, really good night overall. So, like, I'm not going to get too down on it because, like, 
yeah, like he messed up in clutch time, but like the rest of the game, he was like the only reason the Wizards were in the game. Um, so, you know, what are you going to do? Um, so, yeah, I don't want to, I guess, I guess we're going to have to have the triple double talk now because that's the biggest story of the night. Um, so Russell Westbrook tonight got his 182nd career triple double, um, passing Oscar Robertson for the all time lead in terms of triple doubles. Um, and I don't know, like if you've listened to all these pods then you've noticed that I never even mentioned triple doubles. And if I do, I just like say it and then sigh and then move on because I don't think triple doubles are a good stat at all. Um, like I, like what do, I don't even know. I don't fully understand what they're supposed to measure. Like my, like, I think that like people think that triple doubles measure like a all around performance, but like has nothing to do with defense. (laughs) Like it's scoring double digit points, which is not a spectacular feat by any means. Double-digit assists, which, like, assists are not an individual stat, and then double-digit rebounds. Rebounds are not an individual stat either. Like, to get a rebound, a big series of events have to happen where the ball just happens to land in someone's hands. And also, like, the big, the big thing about rebounds is that teams have defensive and offensive rebounding schemes. Um, like, most teams who play against... Like, most NBA teams don't go after... Um, offensive rebounds so the guy like the scheme for the wizards is to, for westbrook to get the ball to box out if someone's around and let westbrook grab it so then he can run the break now russell westbrook like he steals rebound he, like, he straight up does steal rebounds from his teammates which i think is it's a value add because russell westbrook getting the ball getting him the ball quicker that adds value but getting a rebound is not as valuable as people think um and it's not as hard as people think because a lot of times first of all the ball just bounces to westbrook Second of all, Westbrook's the only guard in the league who I've like ever seen consistently go after offensive rebounds because that's the Wizards' scheme. Um, and Scott Brooks believes, like he believes that it's a value add for Russell Westbrook to consistently go after offensive rebounds instead of um, getting back on defense, which I might disagree with. Um, but like, like Russell Westbrook rebound, like Russell Westbrook is a good rebounder. He's not a great rebounder. Like he's just not. Like he averages, I believe the number is two point eight contested rebounds per game. Um, and then like the best rebounding center around like five or six. Um, like he's, he's just grabbing the ball. Like he's getting open rebounds, defense, like open defensive rebounds, which is fine. I, like I said before, that's a value add, but that's not like unbelievably valuable that like we should be thinking of it as like some great thing where if he gets 10 rebounds and like all of a sudden, like, like, I don't know, like, I don't understand what a triple double is supposed to measure. Um, like the scoring for Westbrook all season has been unbelievably inefficient. Like he's like at like 50.5% true shooting or something for the season. Um, like all like the isolation stuff is bad. The post-up stuff is bad. The pull-up stuff is really bad. The three-point stuff is bad. The mid-range shooting is bad. Like it's bad all over the place. The only thing he can, he scores efficiently is like in the paint. Um, and then like, he's not a good free throw shooter. Like all the scoring stuff is like really, really, really inefficient. Um, and then I think he's a phenomenal playmaker. Um, I think he's absolutely like incredible, like how much he's improved throughout his career as a playmaker, being able to throw passes off the like dribble with his like offhand and like just perfectly timing drop, drop off passes, passes to the weak side corner when he drives, um, like re- really, really, really being able to handle the ball in the pick and roll and like make the right reads, like reading the back line of the defense. Like when he was coming out of the draft, like people didn't think that Russell Westbrook had any feel whatsoever. And like for him to be where he's at now in terms of like a playmaker is exceptional. Like I think he's an unbelievably good playmaker. Um, I don't think he's like good as a scorer and he's not that good as a rebounder. And then like, he's bad on defense. But like the thing about Westbrook is like, he's so interesting. Like he's such a unique player like this, but like every single conversation about Westbrook ends up boiling down to numerical numbers, numerical numbers. That doesn't make sense. Numerical statistics. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like all, every single conversation with Westbrook um, amongst like the mainstream people is like, it all, it's all about numbers. And then it, 
eventually boils down to triple doubles. I have no clue what triple doubles are supposed to mean. Like, what are they supposed to measure? Why are they so like such an impressive feat to people? Like, I really, really don't understand that. Um, because like, and then also like it relies on the rule of 10, which is like, people tend to think that like, like, it's just like a human bias. So like the difference between eight and nine is not as seen as less significant than the difference between nine and 10, because 10 just happens to be the first, um, number with like two digits in it as decided by like people like in India from like <laughs> the sixth century or whatever. Like, I don't remember. I did research for this for a different article I wrote, but like, um, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it really, really, really doesn't. Um, I just think that like with a player like Westbrook, he's probably to me the most interesting evaluation in the entire league. I think there's so many different ways that you can go if you're trying to evaluate how valuable Russell Westbrook is as a basketball player that like, I think he's just so insanely interesting. Like I'm personally lower on Westbrook. Like if you listen to all these pods, like I am, but like, I think that you can make a really credible argument that Russell Westbrook is one of the best floor raisers in the entire league. Um, but like for me, like I really, really value ceiling raising, um, like, you know, turning like a conference finals team into like a championship team. Like, I don't think Russell Westbrook can do that, but like without Russell Westbrook, this Wizards team is probably like a 13 seed. And with him, they're, you know, like an eight or nine seed. Like, I think that that, like, if you really, really value that, then you really, really value Russell Westbrook. And I understand that, but like also like, you can stay here and talk about Russell Westbrook's game for like hours without like bringing up any statistics at all. Like you can talk about his passing, his playmaking. You can talk about like his overall decision making. Is he a positive decision maker? Like he has a ton of turnovers. He makes a ton of mistakes all the time. Um, but the way that he pushes in transition, he completely alters the pace of the game whenever he's in. Like you can sit here and talk about like how valuable that rebounding actually is forever. Um, you can sit here and talk about like the scoring, decision making, the shot, like the shooting, like, is he a good post player? Like, you can sit here and talk about stuff like that forever. Like, is he actually a good defender? Like, he he's weak side rotations are terrible, but like, he can't get around a screen, but his switching is like legitimately like really, really good. It's a real value. Like, you can sit here and talk about stuff like that for like hours and hours and hours without bringing up a stat. But like, every single conversation about Russell Westbrook ultimately boils down to triple doubles because of the way that people are talking about this like random thing that just holds no value to me. It just, it's so frustrating because like, I'm like, it's not even like about like hating Russell Westbrook or not. Like you can not value triple doubles and not be hating on Russell. Like I'm not trying to hate on what Russell Westbrook. I'm trying to evaluate Russell Westbrook the way that I like just see the game. Like, and if I see the game differently than other people, like that's fine. But like, that should be a conversation. Like that shouldn't just be like, oh, you're hating on Russell Westbrook because you don't think he's a top 35 player in the league. Like, I don't know. I just think like the whole like discourse around Russell Westbrook has just gotten like so ridiculous and like out of hand and like just like so far away from what basketball is really, really about. Um, it's just so frustrating. It's so frustrating to me that like it's all about triple doubles with Russell Westbrook when he's like to me the most interesting evaluation in the entire league. Um, like the most interesting discussion that you can actually have with like another person about like what you value as a basketball player, what you think he does well. Um, like it's all just like I don't know. Like it, it's so frustrating to me. That's that's a triple double conversation. Um, yeah, I'm. I just think like it's just it's just completely ridiculous how we talk about Russell Westbrook. Um, so yeah, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's talk about how the Wizards defended Trey Young, which is which is probably more ridiculous than. Uh, uh, no, I'm not going to say that um, because I think triple double the whole triple double thing is like the most ridiculous thing in the history of things. But like the way that the Wizards guarded Trey Young is like absolutely atrociously bad. Um, I don't know if Scott Brooks was just testing stuff out, but like, it's kind of a weird spot to test stuff out, but like switching against Trey Young, what on earth are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? Like you, so Bertans played 31 minutes. Usually Bertans, so typically the Wizards run a drop 
And Bretons has his own coverage, whereas if a team goes at Bretons, they will run a hard hedge with Bretons um, just to make sure that he doesn't have to switch. Like, Bretons can't really move in a back pedal. So, like, you don't want him playing drop coverage. Um, so just to avoid all that, like, because the Wizards switch one through four, right? So to avoid any problems of Bretons potentially switching or dropping, they just hard hedge, um, which makes sense. But then a lot of times Bretons get switched, like, split when he hard hedges because he's not very good at it. Like, Trey Young did that, like, two or three times in this game. Um, but anyways, like, the Wizards straight up switched Bretons onto Trey Young why like and then the wizard switched Rui Hachimura onto Trey Young like Rui I think that Rui can switch up in terms of position because I think he's like legitimately like really strong he has really good length what he's like he has like a 72 wingspan he's 6'8 or something um but I don't think he can switch down to twos at all um I think he can switch down to like threes that aren't as reliant on like first step quickness and like getting you on their hip but like someone like Trey Young who's so quick he has a really 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 good handle like he can shoot and he can like if he gets you on his hip like it's basically over because he's gonna either draw a foul or he's gonna get a floater he's gonna like throw a lob like throw like weak side kick out like if he gets you on his hip it's over so like Rui Hachimura like the biggest issue with his defense to me is his like overall foot speed um like on the especially on like on the perimeter like his lateral quickness is just not very good um like he's a little bit stiff athletically still um but like switching him on a Trey Young made no sense to me. Um, switching, basically switching anyone besides like, I think Howell Neto did an excellent job. Like at the beginning of the game, they're having Howell Neto chase over the top of the screens um, a lot and then just have it like playing drop and like Trey Young just straight up wasn't shooting. Um, like even though the Wizards are playing drop against him, which goes back to the thing I said at the beginning where like he doesn't really shoot as much as you would think um, like or as much as people act like he does. Um, but like, I don't know why the Wizards went away from that coverage because at the beginning of the game, I thought it was working pretty decently. Um, for some reason, they went to switching. Like even like Chandler Hutchinson, Chandler Hutchinson cannot switch on. He can't. He. I, I don't think Chandler Hutchinson is good at all. Like, I don't understand why Chandler Hutchinson. He played 25 minutes in this game. The things that I think Chandler Hutchinson, he's a good cutter, um, and he is good. Like he has pretty good weak side defensive instincts. Um, but like as an on wall guy, I don't think he's that good with the ball in his hands if he has to dribble like it's it's just it's ugly like if he has to shoot the ball and it's more than two feet away from the rim and it's contested it's not going to go in like <laughs> i don't understand what Ch what chandler hutchinson is doing playing 25 minutes in this game like i think isak bonga is so much better than, like isak bonga is like a very very much like a good wing defender um who can actually like switch on the guards and like you know like like yeah he like doesn't have the greatest technique in terms of footwork switching on the guards um like he can legit do some stuff with his length at least and he he has like really really good recovery like hutchinson just doesn't have any like I don't get Hutchison at all um, playing 25 minutes. Um, the other thing I don't get is playing Gafford 15 minutes. I, I'm like, I'm again, like I'm lower on Gafford than most people, but I think that the thing that Gafford gives you is scheme versatility. Um, when you're playing against Trey Young um, and you feel like you have to switch because you can't bring Robin Lopez or Alex Lennon up to level the screen because they're just going to get like destroyed, put in Daniel Gafford. Like Daniel Gafford, he's not very good in like moving his feet, but he has enough length and athleticism that he can recover um, and he can do some stuff. Like he wasn't terrible when he was playing and he gives you like he gives you options in terms of um pick and roll defense he can come up to the level of the screen against Trey Young um like I'd like to see them try that like they didn't really go with that when he was in like they try to simplify his role to an extent where like they don't want to like they experiment him a little bit I, I want to see it more though like just using his athleticism to try to run some different stuff at Trey Young like why are we switching with Daniel Gafford in the game like what are we doing here Daniel Gafford, like, then what's he, what's he in for? Just, like, run and jump on the offensive end and then just, like, stand at the rim and jump up and down at the defense? Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. 
Um, but yeah, Trey Young cooked the Wizards. Um, he's an unbelievable player. He's an awesome passer. Like in pick and roll, he's great. Um, if you switch on him with guys that can't really move their feet, he's going to destroy them. Um, and he showed that this game. Another guy who I think is like legitimately like really really good is Bogdan Bogdanovich. Like. He can like really, really pass the ball. Like whenever they ran pick and roll for him, I was impressed. They ran a lot of like um like wide scatter or scatter. What the heck am I trying to say? Scatter? Not scatter. Stop. What, what am I stagger? <laughs> what a, I'm I was losing my mind for a second. Um but they ran like ton of um stagger for him. I really like when they do that. They also ran a lot of double drag with him. Um and like he's a pretty good decision maker in the pick and roll, but also like just him running off wide pin downs and stuff, or like the the Hawks ran this really, really, really good hammer play where um, they ran um, so they ran an Iverson cut with um, Trey Young, and then Trey Young drove baseline. Um, I believe that Bogdanovich was one of the players setting the Iverson like the first Iverson screen. Um, then he ran off a hammer and he got a wide open look like, and that like that was one of the different difference making plays in the game that like pushed their lead to nine like in the fourth quarter. That was an excellent play, but like Bogdanovich as a movement shooter was like pretty impressive in this game like he made seven threes <laughs> he was seven to twelve from three um and he only made eight shots overall um but like, they, i was pretty impressed with i've been impressed with bogdanovich all season long like he started off like really really slow um but yeah like man imagine if he, <laughs> imagine if he was on the bucks right now um but yeah no i really like bogdanovich i also i think john collins is interesting in the way that like i i'm not really sure like i'm not a fan of all the mid post iso stuff I would love to see him unleashed more as a small ball five. At one point, um, so Daniel Gafford is in the game um, and Russell Westbrook is out. So the Hawks kind of made the bet that like, yeah, like the Wizards don't really have anyone that's going to attack the rim. So we don't really need to put Onyeka Okongwu in to play drop coverage. We can just put John Collins in, have him play drop coverage. Like no one's going to get to the rim against against us if like the Wizards just have Daniel Gafford and like no one else in. So let's just put let's just put John Collins in there and just have him like, like space the floor offensively and just cook Daniel Gafford. Um, and they... They did kind of do that. Um, Daniel Gafford is not very good closing out on the perimeter, um, which is still a, like that's going to be a big issue for him. Um, and he's he's got to get better at that. Um, but I want to pull up. I want to pull up the Atlanta Hawks. I want to see what their lineups are like with Collins at center because I thought that was really really interesting. Um, trying to play him as the small ball five. Um, cleaning the glass is loading. Select pairs. John Collins. Okay, so let's see. Filter lineups. Filter lineups with John Collins at center. Um, and hmm, interesting, interesting. Um, the Hawks point differential with John Collins at center is... Oh, first of all, um, they played 1,286 possessions with John Collins at center. Point differential is plus two. Their offensive rating is 119. Um, and then their defensive rating is 117. Um, <laughs> 119 offensive rating is in the 89th percentile. And 116 defensive rating is in the um, 16th percentile. So that's interesting. Um yeah, like that offense is just really, really good with him at, um, him at center. Like I, it's because he's like how you need a unique type of five to be able to guard a John Collins, um, pick and pop, or just like him like running delay, um, or just like him straight up just catching the ball like wherever and just like attacking a closeout, um, with a five closing out or like even like he can also shoot. He only shot one three in this game, but like. Yeah, that's a little bit scary. Like, if you're trying to switch, like, the Wizards, then he'll just mash you in the post. Like, he's a pretty good post player. Um, but, like, the mid-post ISO stuff is just, like, something that I don't get. I don't want to see that in the playoffs. Like, please, Atlanta Hawks. Like, <laughs> if I'm watching a Hawks-Knicks series and I'm watching John Collins go at, like, Julius Randle in a mid-post ISO, like, over and over again, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, no, John Collins, I think he's, like, pretty good as a, like, I, not pretty, like, I think he's really, really good as a weak side rim protector. Like, first of all, Clint Capella is awesome as a rim protector. Like, 
he should be like top three defensive player in the year this year. Like I just think he's incredible. Like as a defensive, like and he can move his feet on the perimeter too, like a little bit. Um, I just think like Clint Capella is really really good. Um, but like John Collins, I think like whenever like Clint Capella has to come out a little bit on the floor or like they get a switch or something like that. Um, John Collins, or like even in like transition, like John Collins running back and blocking shots, like he did that a couple times this game. Like he's an excellent weak side rim protector, um, just because like he's good at getting vertical. Um, he doesn't really foul that much. Um, he's super athletic. He has long arms. He's really strong, and then he just jumps straight up and he like contest shots. Like it's it's hard to get like shots up over guys like that who are pretty disciplined, who do have like relatively good instincts. Um, so I really really like John Collins in that role. Um, yeah, like the Hawks are good. Like they have a good roster. Like even with, like Gallinari coming off the bench. Um, like DeAndre Hunter finally came back and like Lou Williams, like they're a good team. Um, the Wizards lost, like I do want to talk about, um, I talked a little about their defense. I want to talk about, um, actually, no, I want to see how much time. I don't want to go too long. Yeah, 26 minutes. Okay. So I'll go through my notes and then that'll be that, um, for this episode. But one thing I will say is that, um, like, even though I like said the long thing about Russell Westbrook, like, again, he's a floor raiser to take this team. Like, let me just run you through the guys who were in the Wizards rotation today. Um, Rui Hachimura, Alex Len, Russell Westbrook, Howell Neto, Garrison Matthews were the starters. Chandler Hutchinson, Dallas Rutans, Robin Lopez, Daniel Gafford, and Ish Smith um, came off the bench. For the Hawks, you have um, Trey Young, Clint Capella, John Collins, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Kevin Herter as your starting five. Danilo Gallinari, Solomon Hill, DeAndre Hunter, Lou Williams, and Onyeka Okongwu um, coming off the bench. And it was a one-point game with that kind of talent discrepancy. Um, all the credit in the world goes to Russell Westbrook. I think he played a really, really, really good game. I don't think the rebounding was that great. I think the passing was phenomenal, and I think that he scored the ball really, really well. He, he was awesome attacking the rim. Um, you know, like, just attacking mismatches, like, attacking, like, no one could guard him one-on-one. They had to really, really bring a lot of help, um, and that's where he really, really excels at, like, making those drop-down passes. Like, he was great in transition tonight. Like, Russell Westbrook played a really, really good game. I'm not trying to take away from the particular game he had tonight because I think this was, like, a awesome game for him. Um, what I am taking away from is, like, the talk around how we like perceive Russell Westbrook's like value. Like it's not like some all around triple double thing. I think it's value as a playmaker, value as an energy guy and value as like a transition monster. Um, and like attacking the rim, putting down like downhill pressure on it. Like I just think that like Russell Westbrook is such a different player than like people think of him just because of the stat sheet. Um, and it's really, it's frustrating. Um, it's, like it really, really is because Westbrook is like, like he's awesome. Like he's so interesting. Um, and he's like, he's like the most, one of the most unique players I've ever seen in my life. Um, so anyways, uh, that's that's gonna be it for my Russell Westbrook rants um, tonight. But yeah, I'll go through my notes. Um, that'll be it. Um, the first note I wrote was Neto's doing a really good job of chasing Young around these screens so far, and then all of a sudden they started switching. Um, I talked about that though. Um, Hunter's change, yeah, like Hunter's shooting mechanics are so different than they were like last year. Like that's that's pretty insane. Like <laughs> I don't think anyone could have ever predicted that like DeAndre Hunter would be this good right now. Um, so like shout out to him. Shout out the work he's been doing in the offseason. Like. Uh, his shooting mechanics especially off the dribble like he made a couple of off the dribble shots in this game like that was not at all what he was doing at uva like it would have taken him a year to get that off um so that's i'm i'm really happy to see that he's succeeding um clint capella blocked the hook shot breaking news um but robin lopez got the ball back after it was blocked and then he shot another hook shot and made it um i like deandre hunter and russell westbrook but i don't understand some of the switching yeah they were also switching too like if you have DeAndre Hunter and Russell Westbrook, I think that's a pretty good matchup. Um, I wouldn't switch that. I would just go under. Like teams do tend to switch a lot against Russell Westbrook and like chase over screens and like stuff like that. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> just go under the screen against him. Like once we get to the playing game, that's teams are gonna do that. Like teams aren't stupid. Um, like, yeah. Um Bogdanovich working on, on double drag is really, really good. He's really underrated as a passer. 
talked about that. Um, wanted to throw it out there again. Um, Hawks will cons of the five right wing after Yeah, talked about that. Um, kind of love the cons of the five idea. If the other teams don't have a threatening rim attacking presence, talked about that. Um, once you're getting down the court quicker than the Hawks in transition, hurting them. Oh, I, wa- I do want to look at the transition stats. I'm curious to see that. Um, transition. The Wizards' frequency in transition this game was 21.7%, which is in the 94th percentile. Their points per play in transition was 119, um, which is in the 42nd percentile. Uh, <laughs> off five rebounds, the Wizards' um, transition frequency was 55.9% in the 100th percentile. 100% all because of Russell Westbrook. Um, that's what he does for your team. Um, and I think it's a really good thing because getting on transition is way more efficient than playing in the half court. Um, and I think that like that's a big value add if you have a guard that can do that. Um, Wizards are getting on the court quickly. I talked about that. It took seven seconds left in the half for the Wizards to run an inverted screen at Trey Young. Um, I would have loved to see more of that. Like if they're trying to switch, like and you have West, like you can potentially get Westbrook switch on a Trey Young and just mash him. I would have one hundred percent done that. Um, I really like John Collins as a secondary rim protector. Talk about that. Hutchinson never yeah, talked about that. Um, Lug Bogey coming off staggers and making decisions. Talk about that. Um, Wizards can't guard Trey. <laughs> are trying to get a switch and giving a lot of bad mismatches. Um, oh yeah, so. The Wizards run a ghost flare. Um, I think that the... So I love the idea of the ghost flare, but it, the flare screen has to be closer to where you ghost. Otherwise, it doesn't really work. Um, if you give the defense, like, you know, five extra feet to recover after the ghost, then the flare isn't going to work. Um, like, you have too much time to communicate it out, um, you know, to recover in terms of, like, just chasing someone down. Um, and then, like, you know, communicating, like, the switch or, like, how are we going to cover it um, or, like, the deny or whatever. Um, so... Like, the Wizards run that play for Bertans. Um, I am begging them to execute it better because I think that that could be potentially, like, super lethal. It's like, with Russell Westbrook, like, setting a ghost screen for a ghost flare with Russell Westbrook handling the ball, um, and then, like, Gafford diving to the rim after setting the flare and, like, Bertans coming off the... Like, that could be a really, really awesome set if they could execute it better. Um, and what I would look at if I were them, like, the way that UCLA ran it this year um, with, like, Cody Riley diving to the room, like, Johnny Juzang coming off and Tiger Campbell as a ball handler, like, they ran it, like, really, really tight and it worked really, really, really well. Um, so that's what I would look at if I were the Wizards. Um, Iverson Hammer all of a sudden, in the game, like, that Iverson Hammer play was awesome. Uh, I got to take, I got to um, find that. Um, switching with Neto in the game on Young makes no sense. Um, yeah, because, like, Neto was doing a legit good job on Young. Um, Bretons makes three movement threes in a row and all of a sudden was back in it. Um, switches are too easy. Hawks are destroying, uh, running actions at Bretons with the rest of the week. Yeah. So like the Hawks weren't just running actions at Bretons or running actions at Bretons with Russell Westbrook in the weak side corner. Cause they know he's not very good in help. Um, so that was really, really smart from Nate McMillan or whoever made that call on the bench to do that. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, it was a little long, but that's because I talked about triple doubles for like eight minutes. Um, so yeah, um, next Wizards game, I believe, is on Wednesday. Um, so I'll have a podcast coming out that night or the next day. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hoops Wizards Pod. I'll see you next time.